Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now let's head down to uh, Mount Monganui Bay Oval is where... They are putting the pink balls in the box, getting ready to pass them to the umpires to walk out to the field. The coin will be shined for the toss and the man polishing his tonsils to do a big stint for the test match is our own Daniel McCarty. Daniel, welcome in. Exciting day. Steffi, good to hear your voice. Hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, Polishing my tonsils. How does one do that? (laughs) I thought I was going to get the tip from you because uh, you exercise them long and strong in test matches. Yes, you, you tend to. I must admit, though, um, uh, being with, I'm on the other side of the coin. I'm actually with the visitors this time. I'm with the English crew, so I'm not sure they're willing to actually have this, you know, one-eyed Kiwi probably on here as much as uh, I, I normally would. So uh, I probably can sing a little bit louder at the karaoke bar at some stage during the start the series. So when the when the British commentators turn to you, Daniel McCarty, and say, "What can you tell us about Jacob Duffy and Blair Tickner? We've never heard of them." What will you say? <laughs> <laughs> well, well um, I've, it's actually a really interesting question you raise, uh, Staffy, because um, we don't see a whole heap of them, do we? We, no. we don't have a lot of domestic cricket coverage, uh, and a lot of us um, have to rely on the, the old sort of scoreboard scouting, which can be a little bit fraught with danger. Now, the likes of Tickner, um, Duffy, and Kugeline, of course, who, who's also in the mix, uh, we have at least seen them play international cricket, different forms of the game. Um, you know, Blair Tickner's played nine one-day internationals and approaching, I think, 20 T20 internationals. So we've got a little bit of an element of, of the eye test uh, there. Duffy's uh, also got a, a smaller um, group of games, Kugeline too, more so in the T20 environment. Uh, but we, we are seriously looking at um, two players making their debut for New Zealand today uh, and that hasn't happened since we had to um, you know litter the side with spinners uh, against Pakistan back in December 2018 so uh, when I when I talk about and think about a Blair Tickner I think of a very experienced first-class cricketer he's approaching 30 this is not a this is this is not a young'un this is a guy who's been playing first-class cricket since 2014 2015 um, has taken you know a, a lot of first-class wickets the way I would describe his performances in first-class cricket, Taffy, he's very steady. Um, in fact, there's um, you know, quite a bizarre sort of um, similarity to every single first-class cricket season we've seen over the last four or five years from Blair Tickner, which is uh, wickets um, being taken around 27, 28 and over 20 a season. So I call those rather steady. Nothing to, to get you know wildly excited about as far as his return in the first-class game. Uh, the other thing you'll notice when you see him um, on, on your screens, his size is naturally tall guy, will get some uh, extra bounce, but he's by no means express. So uh, when you add Jacob Duffy or Kugeline into the mix alongside Souther and Wagner and Bracewell, it's a very green-looking New Zealand bowling lineup against an English batting lineup that has been supercharged. 
uh, under the, the realm, of, um, under the guidance of Brendan McCallum and Ben Stokes. Staffy, during the 10 tests they've been in charge, England have gone at 4.77 runs and over. <laughs> uh, you extrapolate that out over, over 90 overs, that's 430 runs a day. Um, England have been playing the game at this breakneck pace, so New Zealand's inexperienced bowling lineup is going to have to do a job, is going to be put under serious pressure. The, the other two in the equation, Duffy, well, he has the numbers as far as performance at the first-class level uh, over the last couple of seasons, especially this year. I think 22 wickets for Otago at just over 21. When Scott Coog lines, probably more of a bowling all-rounder. So it depends what they want. Do they, do they want the form horse with the ball? That's going to be Jack, uh, Duffy. If they want a bob each way, they might go with Kugelein, who's a bit quicker, a little bit more erratic, doesn't do as much with the ball laterally, but also uh, offers a bit with um, with the bat as well, with three first-class hundreds. So it uh, might be a toss of a coin between those two, but we do know, as you rightly pointed out, that Tickner will, will start and will make his test debut. Everyone in Israel Dag mentioned it on breakfast this morning. I heard him as I was driving in that everyone's just crowing about England, England, baseball, lots of runs, run rate, strike bowlers. And it's very unusual that all the conversation is about England. And the only conversation about New Zealand is why didn't they pick Trent Bolt? Um, and that's sort of that's sort of the talking point. I'm outraged. They might be a bit strong. I'm incredibly surprised and disheartened that Trent Bolt didn't play. I feel like New Zealand cricket's making a stand, not making the best team available. Yeah, and that's fair. Uh, And I can completely understand the perspective you and other fans bring. And I think solely from a lens through the fans, we just want to see the best players play all the time. Um, It's something we jump up and down about, and I think a lot of sporting organisations sort of forget that, the enjoyment and servicing your fans. So, there is huge anticipation for the series. I do know it's not for World Test Championship points. I get that. Uh, but we still want to see our best team play and hopefully win games. Is there anything wrong with winning games? It was sort of a point that Stuart Broad raised um, uh, when uh, there was plenty of discussion around should England move Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad to the side when McCullum came in uh, to coach. And Stuart Broad pointed out what's wrong with winning Test matches now. Um, and that probably rings quite loud in my ears uh, with regard to uh, Trent Bolt. Um, New Zealand are taking a bit of a longer-term view. I, I, I sense, and I, I haven't spoken to the key protagonists, Stead and Larson and others at the moment, uh, as far as do, do they fear that this is sort of setting some precedent? I think Trent Bolt is sort of exceptional in the sense that he is going to get gobbled up by every T20 league in the world. He is that darn good. Uh, will, will all the other players be as in demand? I, I, I have bigger questions. So I, I see him as sort of exceptional circumstances. And when you are going five, six, seven players deep because there are so many injuries and unavailabilities, uh, I, I can understand why you, uh, and I, I've heard the analogy, break glass in case of emergency. Maybe this <laughs> is one that you do actually call upon Trent Bolts as a one-off because you know Henry's probably going to be available for the next test. Um, uh, he's in Christchurch and congratulations to him and his family if, if the baby has arrived uh, but it was interesting to hear Ben Stokes describe the, when he was asked about the Trent Bolt situation he said if you say and act as if there is a problem the players might start to think it is a problem this is about the, the sort of precedent um, example so that was an interesting sort of throwaway comment before he finished off with hey, it's not really England's problem to worry about Trent Bolt, although any side without Trent Bolt is not as strong. So, yeah, there's, there's huge ex- expectation on the other side of the equation. England have played at such 
you know, wonderful, entertaining, exhilarating, and most importantly, Sappy, winning cricket as well. I'm not sure the plaudits would be as strong as if they've had a five and five record in 10 test matches rather than nine wins out of 10 under the McCullum and uh, Stokes uh, duo. And Ben Stokes was very clear to point that out um, in his pre-match chat. He said they've captured the imagination of people who weren't into test cricket. Unfortunately, they've got a lot to live up to now, don't they? They That's sure exactly do. how he pointed it out. Mm, yeah, and just on that setting a precedent thing by um, Trent Bolt's contract status, they've, play, they've played cricketers for New Zealand that haven't had contracts. The one I know for sure was Jimmy Neesham. Um, they played him for New Zealand when he wasn't contracted. And it's it's... It just stinks a little bit, Daniel. It smells a bit like trout on my back step for two weeks. There's just a funny well, odour. And, and what will make it more complicated is um, I certainly think they should be, and I, I think this is their thinking, is Trent Bott will go to a World Cup. So he's obviously in their thinking for a marquee event. Um, why, why not now then? Mm. So, yeah, it's a complicated one. Um, I really do empathise with fans. I, I think, that, you know, far too often in modern day sport, what fans want is just not thought of. And I think it's pretty fair to say the fans want Trent Bolt playing. And there's a lot of excitement around the fan base. So I'm in, you know, Staffy, you know, I live in Wellington. The second test is in Wellington. People are scrambling to get tickets in that city mm. for the first few days. Mm. There, there is so much excitement and anticipation for it. Uh, it would just be nice to, to have New Zealand's best bowler. Um, let, let's look at what happened last year when these two sides played. Trent Bolton led all wicket-takers for New Zealand in that three-match series against England, took 16 wickets at around 28. The other bowlers combined took 24 wickets at over 50. He was a standout. He, he is that good. And that's why I, I think at times you can be... You, you, you can not worry about... Uh, you can forget, forget about setting precedents because this guy's such an elite level. Um, the next tier don't really match up um, as far as, and I'll say it again, the attractiveness to them for global leagues around the world. And I think that um, that needs certain consideration because Trent Bolt really is in demand because he's that he's that good. Yeah, he absolutely is. Uh, finally, talking to Daniel McCarty before the uh, we're at day one, just starts at two o'clock. What do you think about the pink ball concept? Are you a fan? Uh, I'm probably more of a fan than Ollie Robinson from England. Um, he had some very strong thoughts about it. I, I'm not a giant fan. Um, I don't mind how often we're seeing them, which is quite intermittent staff, isn't it? it? It's not like it's being forced down our throat all the time. Mm. Last time England were out here, we, we saw it at Eden Park. Um, England got scuttled for 50-odds. But one thing that stood out, no one really turned up. It, it, it didn't prove to be the attractiveness to the fans any more so than a regulation test match. Um, England, it, it will be quite unusual and probably um, unnecessary as far as their eyes are concerned. They are so well uh, supported in the test game back in England. We only need to flick on our screens and see how our chock of their stands are. And that was even before McCullum and Stokes took over. But Ollie Robinson, um, you know, called, called pink ball tests a gimmick. Um, he's also a little bit frustrated with the ball that they, they have to use um, with, with, with the Kookaburra pink ball, not able to swing it as consistently. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you can, you, again, there are, there, there are certainly uh, arguments on both sides of the coin, but it is what it is, and, and the players are going to have to deal with it, and we'll, 
we will get into that, uh, you know, twilight section of the game where commentators sort of creep to the edge of the seat expecting the ball to hoop around corners. <laughs> it, probably, it probably won't. Uh, but, you know, the change of light, the unusual nature, the fact that the players, you know, don't come across at all that time just adds a little bit of uncertainty. And it, and it adds a different element to the game. Mm. Uh, so I don't mind it if we're not being... It's not being rammed down our throat to, um, at, uh, you know, too high a rate because, hey, I'm a traditionalist and I know I'm on a bit of an island. I know there has been a shift across cricketing fans, but, um, you know, the best form of the game is still test match cricket, especially if there is just a little uh, bit in the surface for the bowlers and, you know, ball can sort of dominate bat and there'll be, uh, hopefully that will be the case here across these two tests that will get a really good contest between bat and ball. Absolutely brilliant. Daniel, appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy your next five days at the former cricket that you love the most at one of the best grounds in New Zealand and a little bit of twilight as well. So go well, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Steffi, and uh, good luck to everyone out there who's been so badly impacted over the last few days. It's crazy, isn't it?